How's that? I was just, I, I don't know. You know, someday we'll have like, you know, the whole team and everybody tells you, you know, right now you're just kind of like, you know, you're just swinging it, right? So we're calling this section, Church, Where Do I Fit In, right? And the idea that we're going to do for the rest of Ephesians is different series on relationships because from Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, it all has to do with relationships. And we talked about last week the different contexts of relationships. I draw little circles, you know? The context of being in the church, being in the family, being at work, et cetera, et cetera, you know? So one thing that Paul talks about is that he has given, he has graced each one person with a gift, right? So it may, maybe start thinking as, okay, in the context of a church, where do I fit in? Where do I fit in in the context of a church? And you can look at that question from really two different perspectives. One perspective you can, you can ask that question is, um, from an outsider's perspective, okay? From an outsider's perspective, where, where do I fit in? Do I even belong at church, okay? That's one perspective, and if you look at our, and I don't have it up here, if you were to look at our website, look at our mission statement of a church, this is what, in, this is what we're going to be about. Our mission is to rescue the lost with the love of God, repair the broken with the hope of God, Renew the found with the word of God and ready all for the purposes of God. You have people who are broken and lost. Some are lost, looking in. Some are in, but they're broken, right? Um, and and some are, are sort of broken on men's and still being renewed, right? So when you ask, when we ask the question, church, what do I fit in? My question is, in one sense, it's from the outsider's perspective of where, do we, where does a person fit in? If somebody were to come to our group tonight or to our church, what would they sense? What would they feel? Okay? We want our church to be a place where people feel welcome, right? That goes without saying, right? Um, because we want to we follow Christ's example. If you go to, uh, go to Luke 15, go to Luke 15, and verse 1 is probably one of my favorite verses in all Scripture. In Luke 15 and verse 1, we see, we see the kind of people that, that, Jesus, that, drew, that were drawn to Jesus. And in Luke 15, 1, this, I love this because this is like an accusation against Jesus. Oh, how could he do this, right? It says, verse 1, Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. And you picture the scene. Here's Jesus, right? And everyone is, all these sinners, right? All these tax collectors and sinners and they're standing around him. They're, they're wanting to listen to him. They're drawn to him, right? And who are these sinners? Well, you've got, you've got a prostitute over here. You have a person who's unfaithful to his wife. You have somebody who's cheated on their taxes, somebody who has an anger problem. You, have, you can fill in the blank, right? And they're all drawn to Jesus, right? We want to be a church where people are drawn to what they find here because they find Jesus here, okay? We aren't, listen, Sometimes, not how it is, sometimes I don't feel like coming to church because I messed up. I'm like, man, I'm just not worthy to be here, right? We want to be where, oh, I am, I am broken. I need to come because I'm going to get healing and, and encouragement and, and something from the Lord, you know? Because guess what? We're broken, right? These are the people that we want to draw. These are kind of people. There's no, you know, this is a church. It's not a country club, right? It's not a country club where we say, you know, pay your dues, 
Are you, do you fit in, you know, with our little, little thing, right? Look at the reaction in verse, in verse 2. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to what? They began to grumble. Can you imagine? Saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. What? How can this, how can this man be any kind of godly person? Doesn't he, you see the sense? We don't want to have any... We don't want that. We don't want, we don't want to be that. Oh. Why, what's this person doing here? Doesn't she know that's not how you behave in church or whatever, you know? We want to be a group that is loving enough that knows, realize that all of us are in different places in our journey with Jesus, right? Some people are broken and lost and have no, no clue. And we were there, right? And some of us have been on the men's and we understand what that's like, and we come alongside that person and say, hey, let me introduce you to Christ. That's the kind of church we want to be, right? How did I get from Ephesians to Romans to Luke? Oh, the question. What kind of, where do I fit in? So in one sense, where do I fit in? It's the sense of somebody coming in. And the idea is we want to be, you fit in. If, if you're lost, you're broken, you fit in, right? If you've got problems, you fit in. Because where else are people supposed to go? You know how it is sometimes we come to church, let's just be honest here, and we, and we lie through our teeth. How are you doing? How's your life doing? It's great. <laughs> then we go to a bar or a restaurant, sit and talk to the bartender and tell them all our problems. Not that you guys do that, but I'm just saying that's how it is because we feel safe. We feel judged sometimes at church. We don't want to be that way because nothing ought to surprise us. Come on, how many of us have, we've been... I'm guilty of, of stuff I don't want to tell anybody about, but thank God he's rescued me and, and has brought me in, right? And I have compassion on that person. We want to have compassion on people that are going through life because life is hard, right? And people are carrying struggles and burdens that are maybe that's their own private battles that they're carrying and nobody else knows about. And the last thing we could do is say, well, if they were just a bare godly person, you know, we don't want to do that. We want to be. We want as as God gives us grace to be loving and to be gracious, you know, and let the Lord change them and let the Lord deal with them, right? So the first part of the question really is, where do I fit in? Well, if you're if you're from the outsider and, and if there's outsiders listening, welcome. You're welcome here. The other side of the question, the other answer to that question is, now we're in the church. Where do we fit in? Now I want you to go to Romans 12. In Romans 12, Paul is going to be talking about really the body of Christ. He's talking about the body of Christ, okay? That's an illustration of, of the congregation, right? By the way, when, when you read your Bibles and it says the word church, it's a bad translation of the Greek word ekklesia. Ekklesia actually means assembly. Church is from a German word, kirka, which means building structure, edifice. A church is really a gathering, a people. It's a congregation. In fact, the word uh, uh, ecclesia had to do with, with even assemblies of, from, a, from a political standpoint or a government standpoint, an assembly of people to decide on things of government and things like that. So it was people getting together for a common purpose. That's what church is about. Church of Christ, church of, of God, we're centered around a person, Jesus Christ, right? We're gathering. So Paul says in Romans 12... He says, uh, 
Verse, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you will may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Because okay, the whole presentation of yourselves. Uh, he says, For the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, not among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think as, as to have sound judgment as God has allowed each a measure of faith. Then he gets into this discussion of the body, and the reason why he's doing this, he's leading up to, okay, we are going to be mem- members of the church, members of the body of Christ, and he's going, he says, come in this with, an, with, a, humble, with a humble attitude, okay, um, with a very humble attitude. And in verse 4, he says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Let me stop here, because what he's going to do here, he's going to then begin to discuss the diversity of the body of Christ that is necessary. You see, here's, okay, let's put it this way. God doesn't call us, all of us, to be exactly the same. Okay, so we were at a previous, a lot of us were at the same church before, right? A lot of us were at the previous church before. Okay, so here's what would happen. So the, maybe this, the patriarch of this, this church and church movement would wear Hawaiian shirts. What would the pastors all do? They'd wear Hawaiian shirts. Then he'd wear sandals, what all the pastors of this, this church do? They would wear sandals, right? And then they would talk a certain, he would talk a certain way, and they would talk a certain way, right? And it was like they were all becoming little minions. minions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and that was out of respect, out of wanting to be like that person. The problem is that God does not call us to be just like one another. It'd be like if I were talking like CL and start using big words and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and quoting Shakespeare or something, you know? It would not fit me. I can't pronounce half the words he texts me. <laughs> I literally have to ask him, is that even a word? So that is uniformity, and we're not after uniformity, okay? We, we are one body, but it doesn't mean that we're all marching to the same, like we're in the military, right? They have to be that way because lives depend on them being a particular function and, and do their things right. We are one body, which means we have many members. We have diversity. The problem, though, if you take diversity too far is then everybody comes in and does their own thing, and you're all scattered. And you're all, you're all marching to your own, your own thing. You're all, you're all individuals, right? And you're not really to a unity. What Paul's going to argue is there is a unity with the body, there's diversity and unity, and there's that balance. Because what the goal is, is for your body, for your church, let's say, to go together achieving particular object- objectives, particular things that you are about, right? 
Your group's about, your church is about. Our church, we want to grow in Christ. We want to rescue the lost, right? We want to repair the, repair the broken. We want to renew the found and ready everybody for the purpose of God, right? That's our objectives. That's what we're going to be about. So, so in thinking about this, he says, you're a body. He says, there are many members in one body, and all members don't have the same function. Go to 1 Corinthians 12, where he has a very similar discussion a little more in depth. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 12, I'll give you a second to turn there. By the way, you guys tracking so far? Okay. 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 12, he's talking about, he's talking about spiritual gifts and everything else, similar context, but in verse 12, he says, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all of the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also Christ, or is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We are all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, Because I am not a hand... I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye. Can you imagine that? <laughs> what's, that, what's that movie? What's the guy in the eye, the Lord of the Rings movie? The Lord of the Rings, Sauron, you know, he's got the big eye. What's that? Sauron. He's got the eye in the sky looking everywhere. You know, it's just kind of weird, right? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole he- were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed members, each of one of them, in the body just as he is desired. If they were all one member... Where would the body be? Now, but now there are many members, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Get off me. Or, to the, or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Get off me, you know. I'm just thinking about Monty Python, but that's another. Some of you guys got that. <laughs> on the contrary. <laughs> on the contrary. It is much sure that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. That will preach right there. 23, and those members of the body which seem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which, which lacked, so that there may be no division, i.e. unity, in the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. For if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice in it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. The body, listen to me. Now think about your body. Let's just think about, he's using the body as an illustration for a reason, because Paul's thinking about this. What's this like? Christ is the head, and then there's members, okay? 
there's a, there's, it's, the body is not just a collection of parts. You think about if you ever play Legos, you know, when you're a kid, you know, and you're putting together or dolls, you know, and you kind of stick, or Mr. Potato Head, like say, you know, you stick his nose and you stick his, you know, and they're all a collection of parts. But then, but there's no, there's no continuity with that, right? In order for my fingers or my hand to have developed, I had to have an arm first. I don't know how, I'm just, and my torso had to have grown. My head had to, you know, all that, there's an, there's a connectivity of all this, Right? There isn't a, it's not disjointed. It all works together. By the way, have you guys ever, ever stubbed your toe or get a sliver? You, let's say you stub your toe. Okay. You break your toe, right? God bless you, right? Or not for breaking your toe, but for thing. What do you do? You scream. Your whole body feels it, right? You st- Slam your finger or something like that, you know, ow, you know, and then, you, then it's throbbing, right? And then your head's like throbbing, like, oh, get this in some ice somewhere. The whole body is affected. The little, little pinky, little toe, the little thing. We think it's, oh, it's, you know, what's most important in my body is my mouth and my eyes. But my little toe, no, but you know something? When you, hear, when you stub your little toe or your big toe, it becomes the most important member, right? <laughs> it's so, so, it's, so the body is, is, is it's, it, it's together, it's interconnected. There's blood that flows, right? And all my veins and capillaries and all this, everything's connected, right? When you get sick, you take medicine. How does that medicine know to go to your head, right? Because the bloodstream carries in, does this thing, or your tummy ache, whatever it is, right? My point is this, or one of the points we're going to make here is this. Each one of us is a member of Christ, right? We're a member of a body, a church, right? That means each one of us here is just as important as the other member next to you. Amen. There isn't one member that's more important. There is only, the most important member here is Christ. Of course, we know that. But among us, we're, we're all equal. Now, somebody has to go up here and teach, Right? Doesn't mean anything, anything that I'm not, I'm just as important as you guys are. We're all just as important. Each one has a part to play, has a role, fits in. Guess what? A body works together. You know what they call when, when, when cells in your body decide to rebel? They call it cancer. Cancer is when the cell is saying, forget the rest of you, I'm just going to go and reproduce and. Go invade the rest of the body. That's what cancer is about. It stops becoming a member and it becomes an individual. And the health of that individual is affected. That's why you can't have lone range Christians. You can't grow as a lone range Christian. You, as a, as a member of the body of Christ, we, we need each other. We grow with each other. First of all, you don't know you may come here and not get anything out of the message. But then afterwards, you may be talking to, to, say, Jesse, and he tells you something that's encouraging that you need to hear. God, God used that member of the body to reach another member of the body, and we're all connected. Does that make sense? So when we say, where do I fit in? Well, you fit, you, 
you fit in it. Well, of course, you fit in the church. Here's what's interesting about the body, too. We have the hand does things that my mouth can't do. It has a function that is very necessary that you know if, let's say, you have to have surgery, and let's say you're left-handed, like I am predominantly, and let's say I don't have the use of my left hand. Now, I can, I'm pretty messy writing on my left hand as my right hand. <laughs> my right hand, I'm a doctor on both hands, you know. You will notice that is, you will notice that that is how, how important that is when that part's missing. It's not the same. It feels it feels there's something we're, we're lacking here. Each part of the body has a different function. Each part is is important, and each function is necessary for the for the for the growth and the progress of the whole. Okay, think about this. Okay, how many of you guys have gotten the flu this year? Okay, okay. Thank God I haven't got at work. Our engineering department, half of them are just like, they're like, they're gone. They're like sick and dogs. They're just at home. People showing up with masks on, you know. And you have people in our different departments. They're all hitting it, right? And I'm keeping them. I, I have a, a, I work in a cell block. You know, I, I work, my, I, I have, a, I close my doors. because I keep my distance, you know. Unclean, unclean, you know. I do that kind of thing, you know. So let's, let's pretend you start coming down with something, right? You hate that feeling, right? You start getting the sore throat, and then, you know, and you're just starting to come down with something, and you're, you're like, what happens? You start getting weak, right? And your body gets sick where you could be, you could be a strong person normally, and it's a little bug, a little virus, bacterial bug has you in your bed for three days, right? And though you can be strong, if one part of your body gets sick, it all gets sick, and it's not able to do what you normally would do. When it's healthy, though, you feel strong, right? You're able to go to work. You're able to walk. You're able to do normal stuff, right? At church, it's the same way. Every member is important. Every member, we want every member to be healthy, not just physically, but spiritually. We want to grow each one closer to the Lord and work on that progress, and as a group, grow closer to the Lord and do the things that God has told us to do, Right? Does that make sense? So back in, in, in Romans 12, Paul makes, starts making this argument, and he says, listen, we're all members of the body. Each member is important. Each one has a function that is necessary for the, for the health and growth and progress of the whole. There's no such thing as the most important person here. Everyone is just as important. Everyone has a part to play in church. Romans 12, Paul starts into now telling us about certain giftings. So, every one of us has been gifted by God with what is called motivational giftings. These are really what, is, what drives you. What, what you love doing for God, right? Some guys, they just, some guys like to teach, Right? Some guys like to, some people, you know, some people like just to, they want to make sure that there's coffee made, the, the floors are swept, the, the chairs are set up correctly, you know, that, that, they love doing that, or they like fixing things, you know. Some people like to do, like to go around and encourage people, you know. These are some of the giftings, and a lot of you guys know about this, this is by way of, of reminder. In verse 6 he says, 
since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, um, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And then he mentioned seven. Now I have to say something on these seven. These are going to be, there's three different lists he gives, and this is in uh, Romans 12. He gives another list in 1 Corinthians 12, and then a smaller list in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. These we're calling motivational gifts, and these are the ones that he is sort of, these are what, what really bring us joy as we serve God. This is what really gives us what we love doing for God. He mentions seven. The first one, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with, with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, we'll take some time to define these and describe these. And then what he's going to do there is after that, he's going to show how these gifts lead to maturity and the rest, really the rest of the, of the chapter of how these gifts will, will lead to maturity. For example, he says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Um, and he goes on from there. I won't read the whole thing here. The point is this. And Paul is going to bring up the fact that each member is important. Each member is not um, because they don't have a particular gift. They're not unequal than the other one who has what they think is a greater gift. Each one is important. And each one is necessary for the progress of the body. Okay? So the goal here now is to find out where do I fit in? Where, what makes me tick? The first one he mentions is the gift of prophecy. And I'm taking this to be different than... Oh, man, I'm, I'm starting... I hope I don't confuse... Here we go. So now I'm getting, now I'm getting ahead of myself, right? Now, I'm, <laughs> now, because I'm thinking of so many things I want to talk about, but I don't want to. Um, I'm re- okay. He's going to be referring to 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 things that that I don't want to say they're they're not natural gifts; they're spiritual gifts. But they get you they get you jazzed about serving God. Let's just put it that way. You enjoy, this is what brings you joy. Find your gifting and serve in that. You'll and you'll have joy in that, right? Prophecy, <clears throat> okay, I want you to think about this. I want you to think, if Paul's using a body, think about this. Okay, here's the illustration. So in your, just look at me or just in your mind's eye. Each, each gifting has to do with a different part of the body. So prophecy has to do with the eyes. If somebody who has the gift of prophecy is somebody who can perceive right and wrong and good and evil right away. Or they perceive something from the Lord in a person's life. They're the eyes. The, 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 the gift of service, they're the hands. Like they do stuff. So it gives them joy, right? Um, what's the third gift? I don't have it memorized. <laughs> Exhortation. They're the mouth. They're the mouth. Because they like to encourage people. They, they love encouraging people. The teacher is like the mind. Not that he's smarter. It's just he loves to study and read and research and teach people. What's the next one? The giver. I guess you could say he's like the arms. He, he gives. Of his time, of his money, his resources, or her resources. Okay. The leader, 
is like the shoulders. I think of the scripture in Isaiah about Jesus. And the government will rest on his shoulders. He loves, he loves the responsibility of leading, of organizing. I say he, I mean he and she, okay? Just he and she. The one who has mercy is the one who's really compassionate. They're the heart. They're the one who, they just, I think I'm married to a, I think I'm married to a gift of mercy right here. They, I, they have such a, they feel the feelings other people are going through. They have such, ident- they have such compassion on that, they have their heart. I have no heart, but <laughs> she makes up for both of us, you know. I'm the tin man, you know. <laughs> or, and the scarecrow, if I only had a brain, you know. <laughs> Um, is that it? Uh, is it? So in one sense, each one of us, so each part is important. Okay? Each one's important. Um, I keep looking at the clock because I don't remember what time we started, so I didn't, uh, I want to make sure I don't go too far over. So in, in this list, I know a lot of us have heard this teaching before, but some of us have not. And so I want to go in and maybe talk, let's, let's introduce the first one, prophecy. How is that? Is that okay? Can we do that? Prophecy. Now when we think about prophecy, what comes in your mind? What's, your, what's that? Alma. Okay, besides Alma. Let's, let's think of, uh, when, you, when you think of prophecy, what comes in your mind? Declares the truth. Declares the truth. What else? When I think of prophecy, I think prediction. Right? I think prediction. What's that? Perceiving, right? Black and white. white. So if you're thinking, if let's just think, let's approach this from. um, Okay, you think of prophecies. Oh, uh, some people like to read the Bible, look for prophecies. They're looking for what's going to happen in the future, right? They're looking for all kinds of, where's the, you know, the, you know, they get into all these stuff, right? And they want to find out when's, the end, when's Jesus going to come back, right? When's the end times, right? That's the predictive nature of prophecy is a limited portion of prophecy. Most prophecy is not foretelling, but forthtelling. Even the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets were the same way. Prophet or prophecy comes from, from two words. Pro means to be, was, it means before, the pra, P-R-O, means before. Um, and the, um, uh, well, it's the feme or, uh, or, or fano means to enlighten or to shine or to declare, meaning to declare before, okay? Or to reveal, okay? So you have, um, and this, the, the person with the gift of prophecy has, they use, their, they use their mouth to declare something from the Lord of revealing a truth perhaps, revealing an insight, or even something the Lord has told them about somebody that, that they need to hear. Um, it is, uh, in fact, go to 1 Corinthians 13, and Paul kind of defines a little bit too. 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 2, look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians he says, if I speak in tongues, verse 1, uh, 
uh, with the tongues of men and of the angels but not, do not have love, I have become a noisy, a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge. Stop right there. There is a revelation aspect to the gift of prophecy. God has revealed something to this person. Um, that they can go in and communicate to others. Um, you have, go back to Romans, you have in the New Testament prophets, which I'm not going to get into all of the examples because I don't want to keep on task here, but the person who is a prophet is declaring things. It could be a word of encouragement, it can be uh, a word of exhortation or encouragement or a warning or comfort or something. The prophet is the one, the one who gives the prophecy is the one who sees right and wrong. Black and white, they're the ones who see, okay, how many of you guys have, some, the cars nowadays, right, they, there's, a, there's a, a thing in the cars where it warns you if you're drifting into a different lane. It's this lane change warning, like if you're not paying attention, you start drifting, it goes, beep, 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 beep. It, senses. it senses that, right? Beep, beep, beep. Like that, you know? It lets you know if you're drifting off course. That's what a prophet is. A prophet may give you, hey, there's the guardrail here, you know? Um, and they're the ones who go in and tell you. Um, they're the ones that are, um, um, they're the ones who, 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 uh, who are, how do I put this? Everything is right or wrong, black and white, righteous or unrighteous. No gray areas. And they're the ones who are, who are, they're, up, not, they're, they're, they're passionate about, like, say, justice. Justice for the, 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 the abortion, you know, the whole abortion thing, right? Um, they're, they're the ones who are, um, they, it's, they hate evil. They, they will, they'll, they'll want to purge evil from their life. If somebody says, hey, uh, sugar's bad for you, they'll cut sugar out of their life for the, they'll say, no more sugar for me forever. They're just like that. Make sense? Um, I'm thinking, if I, if I think of a, of a prophet in the New Testament, okay, John the Baptist is one. Um, Peter, maybe another one. Peter seems to be like, Lord, do you want to call down, you know, fire from heaven? You know, or, or you know, that kind of thing. So characteristics of the prophet, Okay. The prophet is one who, who wants to express themselves. They want to express themselves in matters of right and wrong. Um, and I was mentioning Peter. He's the spokesman. He's the one who's there and acts, declaring to uh, Ananias and Sapphira that they have lied to the Holy Spirit. And that God revealed that to them. A prophet is one who, who can make quick judgments of people and impressions. They'll, they'll know if something's right or wrong with the person. They'll pick up, pick up on a person or a situation like, like that. And they'll, they'll usually be pretty spot on. Uh, they don't like dishonesty. Um, and they, uh, you know, they kind of are blunt. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> prophets get to, they're often blunt, right? How many of you guys, are, how many of you guys know your gift of prophets? You're, you're a prophet. Okay. Okay. I don't see Alma's hand, but. Okay. <laughs> Now, with each, here's, with each gift, each gift is necessary. We need prophets in the midst. 
if I'm starting to go in the wrong direction, I want somebody like a prophet to come to me and tell me. The person with the gift of prophecy has to be careful, though. The prophets deal with truth, right? They deal with truth, which we want, right? Truth, sometimes truth hurts, right, as they say. The prophet, one of the things with the prophets, sometimes they're just too blunt. They're just too direct. Prophet needs to learn how to uh, apply the, the Novocaine, the anesthetic, before they take out the scalpel and apply the truth to you, okay? They're right. They need to speak the truth in love. So a prophet is called to this. Hear me out. When a prophet sees something that's not right, let's say in a person, let's say God's revealed something to this prophet, hey, what they're called to is prayer. Because before they, and let's say it's confronting somebody on something. Before they go and confront, they ought to spend time in significant prayer because they want to come with a broken heart. Because how they come will make all the difference. If they come too, too abruptly, it will shut them down and, turn, and the person may not receive it or hear it. But if they come with, with a broken heart and spending much time in prayer, um, it, it will probably be more, more effective. Does that make sense? A prophet also wants to, uh, has to be careful because they may just point something out to somebody. Like John the Baptist, you brood of vipers, right? Who, who told you to come here and repent, right? That's, he's, he was a true prophet. But more than just expose, a prophet also had to be concerned, ought to be concerned, now what do we do about this? How do we walk this person through this? Does that make sense? We need that in the body of Christ. We, I mean, I don't want somebody telling me, hey, this is great, you're doing great, and then the prophet says, John, you know, let me tell you quietly, and maybe there's a blind spot in my life that I don't realize. Or maybe there's encouragement from God. Because a prophet often needs to bring encouragement. Look at First uh, Corinthians again. Um, back to chapter, was it 12? Go back to chapter 12. Or, or 14, rather. Chapter, four, chapter 14. First Corinthians 14, in verse 3, or, uh, oh, sorry, verse, yeah. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. We'll talk about that later on. But one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Verse 3. But one who prophesies speaks to men for what purpose? Edification, exhortation, and consolation. Okay. The content of what he he or she says we don't know what the content is, but we know the effect ought to be building up, that's edification, exhortation is encouragement, and consolation is comfort. So it's more than just, see, gotcha. A prophet may be the one that comes to you and gives you encouragement that you need to hear from God. Hey, God understands, or God's revealing something to me that you need to hear. And it may be a timely word. I think most of the time it is. Or, or encouragement. So a prophet has to be careful that they're, they're just not the scalpel ones. They may be the ones with the horn that says, keep going, right? Good job. You run the right, you know. And that goes a long way. The body needs that. How many of you guys love being encouraged? How many of you guys don't like being encouraged? Okay. 
prophet also has to be careful about becoming critical and judgmental. Because God may be showing them things about situations of people and they can quickly judge and become critical and not compassionate. And that's a, that's a pitfall that can happen with somebody with this, with this gifting. Um, go, back to first, uh, go back to Romans. We'll finish up in a few minutes. Um, I didn't realize the time would go by so fast. Of course, I should know that, right? Romans 12 if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, verse six, Romans 12, six, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, why does it say that? Because sometimes God may have a prophet or somebody with his gifting have to confront somebody or say something and it's gonna take a step of faith because they're like, I think the Lord is telling me this or I think I'm seeing this and I wanna be very careful, you know? And sometimes it may be where, you know, where God allows that and tests you as far as telling somebody or, or bringing encouragement or, or bringing a word that is that you have no idea, and that person may not receive it at first. They may be like, what are you talking about? But then they're afraid, and then they call you up a week later and say, yeah, you were spot on, but I was too afraid and embarrassed to tell you. So when he says, when you're, if you have a gift of prophecy, according to the portion of his faith, there may be somebody who is very good at, at this gifting and is encouraging and, and, and Lord speaking. And there might be things, some people who are brand new at it. They're just not certain how this works. All is to say, and we're gonna finish up here, is these gifts are necessary for the health and growth of the body. Everything that we do with the goal in mind is not to embarrass anybody or to, point, or to, to have somebody be affected in a bad way, but to bring them to health or give them encouragement, to edify. Everything that we're doing as a church is to edify the body of Christ and exalt Jesus Christ. One more thing, and we'll finish. If Paul says we're not all an eye, or we're not all an ear, or we're not all a foot, that means what is necessary for us to progress as a church is that we need members in each part. We need, all of us have been gifted. If you know your gifting, fulfill it. If you know, pray to the Lord. Say, Lord, how, would I, how can you use me in my gifting? What, what can I do? What do you want me to do? I want to be, be an active member, right? And see what the Lord does. Because I'll tell you one thing. I don't want to be a mouthpiece walking around by myself or a foot walking by myself when the whole body needs everybody else. Does that make sense? So where do we fit in? Well, we will find our gifts and we will learn, we will learn how to encourage one another and edify the body for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just this, even this short time in your word, God. Thank you, Lord, that you have given each member, each person here, each believer here, God, a gift to serve you, a gift that brings joy as we engage in that gifting, a motivation, a desire uh, to serve you in a particular way. Lord, I pray that as we grow as a church, that each one of us here would learn or discover how you've gifted us,
and to learn to use those giftings appropriately, Lord. We pray, Lord, that, first of all, Lord, we need the mouth and the, the eyes and the, 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 the brains and the hands and the heart and the, every, and the arms, Lord, in our church. We need each member. And we are all dependent on one another, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would lead us forward this year, Lord, in growing as one body, God, as one church to accomplish things that you have for us in the future, God, things that you want us to accomplish as a body, things that would bring you glory, that would, that would bring um, you great glory, Lord. And uh, we just pray that you would lead us together, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.